0: You know, it's, um, it's interesting the many ways the Holy Spirit uses his word, the scripture, to stretch us, to stretch me as an individual as I sit before the mirror of God's word. And he's always doing that, right? As we sit before the testimony of scripture, he's always finding new ways to get our attention and stretch us and mold us into the image of Christ. Conviction comes in all sorts of ways. And as I was preparing this week, the Spirit brought conviction upon me in a unique way. I was reading our passage, Matthew chapter 16, verses one to 12, and I began to feel this sense of disbelief. I just could not believe what I was reading on the page. As I, as I read about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and then as I went further into the passage and read about the disciples, here's the question I kept asking myself. I kept putting forward over and over again. How on earth could these people keep missing Jesus? How could they keep missing it? It's, it's so clear. The Bible has made who Jesus is so clear to me. The testimony of Matthew has been so obvious, not to mention the rest of Scripture. All the signs. All the work, it's screaming to us that this Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And even after the disciples themselves, even after, John, or after Peter says, you are the son of the living God, here we come again. And they have forgotten it all over again, distracted. And for a moment, I don't know if this ever happened to you. Jordan, I'm gonna need some Kleenex. Can you grab me some? Or if somebody has some, let me pause for editing. Sorry, the waterworks led to the noseworks. Look at you, Kurt Boss, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, sorry, I'll take it. Singer and a servant. Excuse me, talk amongst yourselves. Okay. Okay, let me get back to the serious part, all right. So I was asking these questions, right? How on earth could they keep missing it? And I felt myself, I don't know if you ever do this or not, as I was asking that question, I felt in my heart a sense of pride coming up. I'm so glad I'm not like them. Have you ever had that happen before? I'm so glad I haven't missed it. I'm so glad I haven't forgotten. I'm so glad I was smart enough to see how God was putting all these together, all these things, all these blessings together in Christ and that, I was saved. And as I was thinking those things in my flesh, the Spirit almost stopped me in my tracks, just kind of arrested my thinking, my conceptual tracks as they were. And he began to bring to mind all the times, not all the times, but any of the times, that I've asked God to prove himself once again. All the times that I've lost focus and failed to understand God's larger work, all the times that even after salvation, I continue to miss Jesus. And it brought me back to a place of humility, which is the proper place for us to be before a holy and righteous God. And in light of that conviction, this text that we're gonna read today, which kinda seems unassuming and maybe unimportant in the whole story of Matthew's Gospel, it took incredible new meaning for me. And I hope it will take on incredible new meaning for you as well as the people of God, First Baptist Church of Irving. As we consider this morning the Pharisees and the Sadducees, as we consider this morning the disciples and how they miss Jesus in their own ways, I'm praying the Spirit would continue to do a work in me and continue to do a work in us as a people to challenge us to always, always pay attention to Jesus. To commit with every being, every part of our being to not miss him in every part of our lives so that we embrace fully the salvation that he has offered to us and the blessings that he continues to pour out. I don't want you to miss the salvation that Jesus Christ alone can offer. I don't want you to miss the blessing that he alone can give. I don't want you to miss him and the truth that he personifies about what it means to live as a faithful Christian before our living God. So as we set our eyes on these flawed men to the testimony of Scripture this morning and see our own flaws, let's ask the Spirit's help today to help us not miss Jesus. Let's see how easy it is, without the Lord's help, for us to get our eyes off Christ, and let's embrace the provisions that he has given us to make sure that we keep our eyes on him. Amen? Matthew chapter 16, verses one to 12. Here's what the word of God says. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees came And to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. And he answered them, when it is evening, here's what you say. It will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today for the sky is red and it's threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. And when the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they began discussing among themselves, saying, well, we brought no bread. (laughs) But Jesus, aware of this, said, oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but the teaching of the Pharisees and and the Sadducees. Well, I hope you can see why I was so amazed at this point in the Gospel of Matthew. I mean, these reactions by both the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the disciples would be funny if they weren't so tragic. And yet, don't you see yourself on this page? Don't you see yourself at times reacting the same ways to the, the blessing and the teaching of God through Christ? Let's look at, just for a moment, the many ways that this many people missed Jesus and potentially we miss Jesus as well in the course of our lives. Three ways God is warning us through this text that we can miss out on the blessing of Jesus, both those outside of Christ and also sometimes those inside of Christ. We can miss out on who he is and what he offers. Three ways in the text that we see people missing Jesus. Firstly, The Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't believe what God had promised. Sometimes we're that way, right? We don't believe what God has promised. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they came together to test Jesus. And this is a a unique gathering because typically the Pharisees and the Sadducees were at odds together. And yet, here they are, best of friends, because Jesus as an enemy has united them. They're united in opposition toward Christ. And they came to test him, not because they believed there was a chance that Jesus could be who he says he is. They just simply wanted to discredit Christ before all of these followers who had been following him. To say, hey guys, you shouldn't be hoodwinked by this so-called Messiah. He can't even do a sign from heaven but look at how Jesus responds to their request in verses two and three. Here's what he says. When it is evening, you say it's gonna be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times, the signs, by the way, that God has already given. Essentially, Jesus is asking these guys, who is it that's really missed it here? Who is it that that really hasn't understood what is taking place? How can you rightly interpret the weather because of the condition of the sky and yet fail to see the fulfillment of God's promises in me? Friends, God's word has made it abundantly clear how you could know that the Messiah has come. Just listen to some of these prophecies about what would take place when the Messiah came. And these are just from the, God, the book of Isaiah, a book that we've referenced a lot as we walk walked through the Gospel of Matthew. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 29. Verses 17 to 21. Here's what God promises to his people as he's talking about bringing them out of captivity, of delivering them. And he, he points toward a greater deliverance that will take place when the Messiah comes. Is it not yet a very little while until Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field, and the fruitful field shall be regarded as a forest? And that day the deaf shall hear the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord, and the poor among mankind shall exult in the Holy One of Israel." For the ruthless shall come to nothing and the scoffers cease and all who watch to do evil shall be cut off. Who by a word make a man out to be an offender and lay a snare for him who reproves in the gate and with an empty plea turn aside him who is in the right. Look at Isaiah chapter 35, verses five to 10. On this day, when the ransom shall return and deliverance come, the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy for waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water and the, the haunt of jackals where they lie down. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. And then one we've referenced often, Psalm 61. I mean Isaiah 61, listen to what the prophet says. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. This is a, a phrase that Jesus himself will embrace. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities and the devastations of many generations. What do we hear in these passages about what will take place when the true Messiah comes? What do we hear about the the coming salvation of God's people? and how it will be indicated by certain signs. The deaf will hear, the blind will see, the meek will obtain fresh joy, the lame will leap like a deer, the tongue of the mute will speak and sing for joy, the poor will receive good news, the brokenhearted will be freed, the healed, the captive will be set free, the mourning of Israel will be turned to praise. Have we seen these things take place in the ministry of Jesus? Yes. Over and over again. Through the Gospel of Matthew, we've seen the messianic prophecies fulfilled. Testimony be given to the fact that what was promised that would take place when the Messiah come has been happening in the life and ministry in Jesus. And friends, this is just a few passages and one prophetic book. This doesn't account for his miraculous birth or his tragic death. It just speaks to the ministry portion of his life. But even from this sampling, If you have eyes to see and ears to hear, it's hard to miss out on what God is doing in Christ. Everything that God has promised about the Messiah, his coming, his ministry, it's come to pass in Jesus. Every sign that he's promised, he has given in Christ. And yet these men want another sign. Why weren't these signs good enough? Why weren't the signs that God had promised and God had given, why weren't they good enough? Honestly, what more do you need? What greater sign could be given if you were actually looking in faith? And isn't that the problem? These men were not looking in faith. The Pharisees and Sadducees had moved so far away from the word of God, they had forgotten what God had actually promised about the Messiah. They weren't looking for the fulfillment of God's promises. They were looking for excuses to continue in their own lack of faith. They were looking for excuses not to believe. They didn't want to believe. They didn't want to respond in faith. See, he can't even give a sign from heaven. Why wouldn't you follow him, all the while missing that he was the greatest sign from heaven ever given? And he even when. God would give his greatest sign in Jesus, the sign of Jonah that we discussed on Easter when Jesus would spend three nights in the belly of the grave only to come out on the other side. They still would not believe because they didn't want to. They didn't want to look in faith. They were just looking for an excuse. How often do we find ourselves friends in the same situation? How often in our lives do we try to find excuses to not believe God? To not look to him in faith because we don't like what he has promised. Not wanting to change because we don't want to believe that what God has said is actually better. It's the age-old sin dilemma, right? It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter three. We look at the fruit. And we want the fruit, and we say to ourselves, Did God really say? Is that what really God promised? And, and is he a bad God that he doesn't want to give us his best? So we believe the lie, the enemy, and we go after fruit that will never satisfy. Sometimes we miss, we miss Jesus because we don't believe that he is better. We don't believe that he's better than power, we don't believe that he's better than money. We don't believe that he's better than the man-made religion that we give ourselves to. We don't believe that he is better than our sin. And so we look at the scripture time after time looking for an excuse to not believe what we don't want to believe. Friends, do you believe that what God has promised is better? Do you believe that Jesus is better? Do you believe that it's worth giving up earthly power and earthly pleasure for greater power and greater pleasure that can only be found in Christ? Do you believe God's promises that what he has given in Christ is better? That a life of righteousness, faithfulness, and joy in Christ is better than any life this world can offer? If you don't, you will keep demanding more from God so that you will have an excuse to stay in your sin. when God has made it abundantly clear, abundantly clear, all that he has given us in Jesus. Maybe you need to repent today because you've not allowed the word of God to bring conviction. You keep putting God off, saying, show me something else, show me something else. What you've already provided is not good enough. Friends, it's more than enough. Will you respond in faith? The second way, that we can miss Jesus, not that we just don't believe what God has promised. Sometimes we listen to what God has not said. We can miss Jesus not, because, not just because we don't believe what he's promised. Sometimes we can miss Jesus because we don't, or we listen to what God has not said. We listen to false teachers. What's tragic about the story of the Pharisees and the Sadducees is that they just don't lead themselves astray. They start leading other people astray as well by their failure to believe in the promises of God. People begin to believe what they say more than what God has said. They begin to to take seriously the words of man more than the word of God. And friends, the same danger exists today. We can be led away, led astray from Jesus and the blessings of Jesus by false teachers. And false teaching is everywhere. This is what Christ tells the disciples in verse six. Watch and beware of the leaven, the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Because as Paul writes in Galatians chapter five, verse nine, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Isn't it crazy how false teaching can spread quickly among the people of God? How we can become enamored with the words of man more than the word of God, and yet we also know our own hearts We know the enemy is cunning and he he can take good things and manipulate them to, to become ultimate things and distract us from what it is that God has called us to. The enemy manipulates us in our hearts to entrap us and cause us to miss out on all that God is offering us in Jesus. He takes the promise of God and his word to pour out blessing upon us and manipulates it in context with our sin, to create the prosperity gospel. God wants to bless you, so this means, it must mean financial prosperity and good health, even though those things are not directly promised to us in the scripture, and the teaching that Christ puts forth. He takes the command to pray for and and honor our respective nations, the governments that God has established himself, and he perverts it into nationalistic nation worship that limits our heavenly perspective and creates unneeded political divisions among the people of God. He causes us to doubt the sufficiency of God's grace, not wanting to believe that God could love us so completely as to save us without our own work, our own participation in the event. He takes our empathy for people in sin and moves us to diminish the demands of the gospel, seeing it as loving to them rather than tragic. How often does God take or does the enemy take good things and spur out false teaching to distract us from what it is that God has ultimately God called us to? I could go on and on, right? That's just some. You I mean, look at the history of the church. So many heresies, so many false teachings that work its way and distract social gospel, prosperity. I mean, so many. Friends, we must be diligent to protect our church from false teaching. We must. We must stand on the word of God. We must teach the word of God. We must submit to the word of God. And we must reject anything outside the word of God. Because... As we have seen time and again, just a crack of false teaching can sink the whole ship. And before long, we won't even know who the true Jesus is. We'd miss him if he walked in the door. What does God's word say? That is our ultimate authority. Nothing more, nothing less. Finally, the final way that we can miss Jesus, not only that we don't believe what God has promised, Not only do we listen to what God has not said, false teachers, sometimes we just see from a limited perspective and we fail to consider the full range of what God is doing. Perhaps the most surprising set of verses in this section is a disciple's reaction to the warning that Jesus gives. So they're walking along and somebody realizes, probably because they were hungry, like some of you are right now, Hey, we didn't bring any bread. And I mean, honestly, guys, at this point, bread should be a priority for the disciples. I mean, how many times can you forget bread? It's a recurring issue. They should have a committee among the disciples to just deal with making sure there's bread. But Jesus uses this conversation about bread to raise the issue of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But the disciples completely miss the point. I mean, completely miss the point. Look at verse seven. After he says, beware. They began discussing among themselves saying, but we didn't bring any bread. Beware the leaven of the Pharisees. Well, why does the leaven matter, Jesus? We don't have any bread. Even if they gave us some leaven, which they didn't give us some leaven, we don't have any bread to put it in. So why are you so worked up about bread? I don't think you really understand the situation. But then Jesus looks at them and rebukes them. First of all, guys, hoping you learned this by now, bread's not a problem. I can handle the whole bread thing. How many times you guys see that, right? I fed the 5,000, I fed the 4,000 plus, we're like 15 to 20,000. I can handle feeding you guys, okay? But that's not even the point. That's not even the issue I'm getting at. I'm not talking about physical bread. I'm talking about a spiritual issue. The disciples were so focused on their physical situation that they missed the greater spiritual truth that Jesus was, try, was trying to address in the midst of it. And how often do we find ourselves there? That we become so consumed with the now so consumed with a physical situation, so consumed with an earthly situation that we forget that God may be doing something for his glory, something that he may be doing, a spiritual work that he's using to grow us into the image of Christ. I want you to hear me this morning. This is a a spiritual truth from the Bible. God always uses our earthly situations to teach us heavenly truths. Every part of our lives, he's using to guide us and shape us, to call us to himself, to to further reliance upon him and make us more like Christ. I've told this story before, but it's one that always sticks out to me. I had a friend uh, that I worked camp with for a number of years, name was Molly Hartrick, dear, wonderful woman of faith. She helped direct a camp in North Louisiana and was also a, a biblical counselor. And she had been diagnosed with diabetes at a very young age and diabetes had ravaged her body. I mean, it was just crazy how, how bad it hit her body. She lost her eyesight, um, she lost her legs, and eventually she lost her life to diabetes. And I, remember having her, and I remember having a conversation with her one day while we were at camp, and uh, Miss Molly always, always, always had a smile on her face, always. She was the most joyful person I've ever met in my life. I can still see her smile today. It was contagious, unbelievable. And I said, Miss Molly, I just gotta know, how is it that you, having experienced so much suffering, so much difficulty, can be filled with so much joy? And I was particularly thinking of her eyesight, because to me, that's one of the worst things that could happen to someone. And she said, Jared, it wasn't until the Lord took my eyesight, that he actually opened my eyes. And I, I saw him for everything that he was. The Lord used that to grow me in ways I could never have imagined. And that stuck with me, you can tell, 20 years later. How many times would something like that cripple our faith? How many times with something like that, a a diagnosis or a disease or a loss, something didn't go our way, how often would we be so focused on that that we would miss the opportunity that God has given us to teach us something? God, I don't know if you know this or not, but I can't see. God, I'm not sure if you're in control up there, but I've got cancer. God, I just lost my brother or my sister I don't know if you know what's going on here. God, I just lost my promotion at work. My bank account's not doing, are you you there? Oh, but Jared, what if this is a moment for you to learn how to rely upon me? What if this is a moment to, to remember that this life is not all that there is and I've got something better planned for you? What if this is a moment for you to see that I'm a refuge and a strength, a very present help in time of trouble? What if in this valley, in this darkness, in this moment, I'm trying to teach you something? that you would not learn otherwise and it will be for your good and for my glory. That's why I so appreciated the the time we had over 40 days of prayer and fasting as a church because it was a, a practical reminder that God can use my physical hunger to remind me of my greater spiritual hunger. And friends, if you will allow him, he will use every part of your life to grow you in faithfulness to him, to teach you what you would not otherwise learn. I don't got any bread. I can take care of the bread, it's not the point. If you'll let him speak into your life. Friends, let's be on guard so that we don't miss Jesus. Again, I don't want you to miss him for salvation's sake. I don't want you to miss him for the blessing that can only come from him. And aren't you grateful that God has given us some tools, some provisions? to make sure that we don't miss him as the people of God. So I wanna encourage you today, take full advantage of of two things in particular, we could add more, that help us make sure we don't miss Jesus. The Spirit and Scripture. The work of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Word. Let's consider this morning how the work of the Spirit and the work of the Word help us not fall into the trap that we see here in Matthew 16. To see Jesus and grab him and not miss him we need firstly the spirit and the word to help us know what God has said and believe it one of the crazy things about the pride moment I have when I was reading this passage this week is as if I could believe in God on my own as if I wouldn't be just like the Pharisees and Sadducees, as if I wouldn't be just like the disciples had God in his grace not revealed himself to me in his word through the work of the Spirit to draw me to himself, save me from my sin, save me from being an enemy of God and placed me into the family of God. The audacity for me to sit before the word of God and think that anything that God had given to me about him was any work of mine and not fully his work. Friends, let us always have that posture of humility. Let us give thanks for the fact that God, as Jesus promised, has sent us the helper, the Holy Spirit of God, to guide us into truth. And praise be to God that he also recorded the truth through the help of the Spirit, through the inspiration of the Spirit, the revelation of God, the testimony of God was written down so that in combination, the Spirit's help, we sit before the Word. we can know God, we can have our minds renewed before God, we can be shaped into the image of Christ so that we can know what he has said and believe it. All the work from God. Let's, let's use this word, friends. Do you know what a privilege it is to sit today with a Bible in your hands. There are people around the world who do not have the word of God in their own language. I got 20 probably in my office. Don't we take that for granted? You have the word, God speaks to us through this. Do you believe that? The Holy Spirit illuminates the testimony and the word of God. When you sit before this, it's as if, when the Spirit uses it, it's as if Jesus is talking to Jared. Jared. Isn't that insane? And yet, it is a gift from God. I I can talk with the creator of the universe. I can believe. He tells me what he, he desires of me. He shows me how to walk in it, and then he empowers me to do it. Let's use the word of God. Let's delight in it. Let's be Psalm 1 people. Let's let our delight be in the law of the Lord. And let's allow these words and the power of the Spirit to point us to the incarnate Word Christ and be more like Him. Let's not miss it. Let's allow the Word and the Spirit together to point us to Him. We also need the Spirit and the Word to know what God has not said. The Bible calls us, according to 1 John 4, 1-6, to test the spirits. To make sure what is spoken as the word of God, is actually the word of God. I hope that you go read your Bible today and make sure that everything that I've said is in accordance with the scripture. That's why, by the way, expository preaching is so great and useful because I'm just reading from the text and I'm looking at the text and you can see from the text whether or not it is what God has said. But you're to test that. Don't just believe someone when they say God has said. Go look and see if God has actually said it. Do the people we listen to, do the songs that we listen to, do the books that we read affirm or distract from what God has said in his word? And we need to be careful because false teaching can spread fast. And finally, we need the spirit and the word to help us have a full perspective in this life. As we prayed earlier today, not just to focus on earthly things, but to keep our minds on heavenly things. Not that earthly things don't matter. They do, clearly. We're living this life. But they're not what ultimately matters. Let's make sure we have a heavenly perspective. This life is not all that there is. That's such a difficult thing to wrap your mind around, isn't it? Because you're going to go out and you're going to eat. You're going to spend time resting today. You're going to be consumed with the reality of this world for the next week. But you've got to keep your mind on heavenly things. Why? Because one day, unless the Lord returns, you're going to be laying in a place like this, like Lee Farish was on Friday. His, his time on this earth was ended. And what a faithful, godly brother that man was. A joy to be around. And his life came to an end. Your life will come to an end. This life is not all that there is. God is preparing us always for something greater. And praise be to God that Lee Ferris was ready. Are you? One day you're going to graduate to heaven if you're in Christ. Are you living with that perspective? That everything that happens in your life, God is using to prepare you for something greater, if you let Him. Are we living right now for His glory? We need the Spirit and the Word to help us remember this is not all that there is. Praise be to God that He has acted so graciously to give us these permissions, so that we, these provisions, so that we will not miss Jesus. Here's the question, will you use them faithfully? Will you use them faithfully in order not to miss him? Because we can, if we're not careful. We'll be just like the Pharisees and Sadducees. We'll be just like the disciples. Unless we ask for the Lord's help. Wherever you are, do you bow your heads. Spend some time before the Lord. Asking him to help you know how to respond today. Maybe today you find yourself in the position of the Pharisees and Sadducees and you've not wanted to believe in Jesus, that he's the way, the truth, and the life and that no man comes to the Father except through him. You've not wanted to believe that there's salvation in no one else other than Christ. You've resisted confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead in order to be saved from the future judgment and wrath of God. What a moment of grace God has given you today. Don't miss Jesus. See the testimony of scripture. Believe what God has said about Jesus and give your life to him today. For the rest of us who are in Christ, are we walking faithfully? Are we striving day in and day out to live lives that are pleasing to Jesus, or are sometimes we're just missing it? How can we grow to not miss Jesus and the blessing that only comes with Jesus? Do you believe the whole Word of God, or just parts? Are you sitting before the Word every day asking the Spirit to help you know and to be more like Christ? believe what he's promised, and live in light of that belief? Are you on guard against false teaching and the way that it can manipulate or change what you think about God? And are you consumed with earthly things to the point where you miss out on heavenly things? however the Lord is moving in your heart right now, would you just confess those things to him? Or maybe you're doing pretty good, you just want more help, just ask him in humility, Father, help me. Help me be more faithful with your help, the Spirit and the Word, to not miss Jesus, but to embrace him and see him for all that he is so that I can be all that you've called me to be. And Father, if there is anyone here who doesn't know you, who's not seen Jesus, God, would you draw them to yourself today, just as you did me, leading them to a place of repentance and belief to save them? It's a work only you can do. And we entrust them to your care, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's let our first response today be church family to stand and sing to our God, Pastor Kurt.